And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to the latest episode of The Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson, joined by Matt Fortuna. We have a new sponsor we would like to tell you about later because I'm wearing their apparel right now. Uh, but we'll get into that later in the show. You know, I, Matt, it was for the offseason, it was a fairly newsy week. Um, you know, we'll talk about the fan survey, which would be interesting. But um, you had kickoff time for Wisconsin at noon. And then the expected but not insignificant news that Notre Dame will operate at 100% capacity this fall. At least that's the intention. I, I think we all, or both of us, saw that coming. But at the same time, it was um, between the schedule getting a little more firmed up and capacity coming out, it felt like it was like kind of a nice slice of normalcy for college football. It felt real. And I believe today as we record this is the 100-day mark between Sunday, uh, September 5th, their opener at Florida State. Not that anyone's counting or yeah. cares that much. Kidding. We all care way too much. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it feels real. It feels real. I mean, to see that I, we all expected it would be 100%. We saw a number of schools come out and say that. We've seen more and more, especially this week, say that. I think, frankly, seeing the NBA playoffs indoors be almost 100% in some parts of the country is pretty much removed all doubt about what this fall will look like now. It'll really hit home when you see the band in pregame warm-ups, the cheerleaders, the mascots, the tailgating, which I don't think has been finalized in Notre Dame yet, but I fully expect that to be up and running as normal. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, um, their, their when, statement said tailgating is back. Did yeah. it? Oh, yeah. did. Okay. Guys. A lot of the others have been pretty <clears throat> intentionally vague on that. But, um, no, it feels real um, to hear that. <clears throat> Excuse me. To hear the Wisconsin game in my backyard will kick off at 11 a.m. Uh, for us locals, Pete. Um it's exciting. Um, and we have your Justin Tuck story to talk about as well, which uh, touch on a little bit of everything, every sport, every level. Um, a lot of characters were in that story, and I, I was a lot more entertained by it than I thought I would be going in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the Tuck story, if you hadn't, if you have not read it yet, subscribe to theathletic.com, um, $3.99 a month, athletic.com slash the shamrock, or you just click straight through the story itself. It was a, it was kind of a, a what-if story that is – you know, we all we always have these stories that like sort of burrow into the back of your head and you're like, God, I just really want to write that. And Justin Tuck is like he's a fascinating <coughs> personality. Um, you would be hard pressed to find a better like a more platonic ideal of what Notre Dame wants its student athletes and football players to be uh, post Notre Dame than Justin Tuck. Um, Ten year pro, two time Super Bowl champion, goes to Wharton Business School at Penn a vice president at Goldman Sachs, you know, kind of now in the, the masters of the universe category, um, who came from, as he said in the story, like I grew up on a pig farm, man. Like he didn't, did not come from a lot and really leveraged his Notre Dame experience. But I always found him to be like kind of an underrated player here from fan, from a fan point of view, probably because his, his teams he was on were not great. Um, you know, his junior and senior year was 03 and 04. 
those were bad teams. Um, he tore his ACL in the last game of his junior year. I think that is sort of lost to history a little bit. Um, and it was just like such a terrible game at Syracuse in December um, where nobody wanted to be there. And then you lose like an elite NFL player um, for your the entire offseason. But it was, it was cool catching up with a lot of those guys, Tuck included. And then, um, yeah, the bits about Tuck the basketball player was fun too. Um, Jordan Cornette, I texted him. I was like, hey, I'm doing the story on Justin Tuck, and I had a couple of his teammates say, you know, you gotta you gotta get into the the pickup games at Rolf's and immediately he texted me back, like, did he tell you about the dunk? And I was like, No, I know he, he definitely didn't mention the dunk. It's like, all right, all right, we'll talk I'll talk to you in ten minutes. Um and so yeah, that that was a fun if you're uh if you watch The Last Dance, um and remember or are just our age and watched NBA basketball in the nineties, you probably remember Scottie Pippen dunking on Patrick Ewing in the Eastern Conference Finals in 94. And to imagine... Semi-finals. Semi-finals, yeah. And here will remind you. Uh, and to, to <laughs> imagine Jordan Carnett doing that to Justin Tuck is is quite a, a mental image. Yeah, I mean, and uh, one other distinction that uh, he has said, and he didn't say the story, could argue he should have won, if not two, of those Super Bowl MVPs that went yep. to his teammate Eli Manning as well. Uh, but but that quote from Jordan Kurnat was uh, particularly funny. I played four years at Notre Dame, but my best moment of athleticism <laughs> was in that game, and like twelve people saw it. Um, not bad. I mean, that's a that's a typical college tale from like the IM gym, not right. from your all time leader in block shots who's gone on to have a great broadcast. It was funny. Uh, Join a great podcast. It was funny. After that story came out, you started hearing people who were hearing from people who were in school at that time. Um, you know, one of our uh, friends, uh, Go, Go Wang in Chicago said, uh, let me pull up the text. He's like, my roommate followed him into the dining hall once and got everything Justin had to eat on his plate. He got maybe 15% through it and he was 6'3", 220. Um, like just what <laughs> Tuck, and it was amazing how ripped Tuck was considering that was pre-training table, right? Like it's hard to look that way when you're just eating regular student food all the time. Um, but man, Tuck was, he was, he was an outlier, uh, an aberration. Um, I mean, he, he was just a freak um, and was kind of one of those, you know, Usu Koromoa types where three-star prospect. Um, I think somebody in the comments talked about how Notre Dame found him by mistake, which might be a fun story to mine at a future time that they didn't know that uh, where Kellyton, Alabama was. It was like population under 1,000. But uh, Tuck was just like... He's a phenomenal football player, um, and I think the affection for him stems from what he went on to. And also, I thought I appreciated his honesty about you know why he didn't come back, like that he was pissed at the university. I thought that was that was kind of interesting and revealing. I don't think you get sort of that adult honesty a lot of times when you do these stories. Yeah, his his candor was refreshing, and it was. It was honest without being like bitter or like feeling he had an agenda. Like he was just kind of telling it like it is, which I think you always appreciate, especially from a guy of that stature who has done so many things that you mentioned, both on and off the field. I mean, he, he's, you know, I, I say this as a guy who like watched the Giants religiously growing up. And like when you're talking about him preparing for the Cowboys, I remember that exact game they lost in overtime the next day, the day after Notre Dame lost the USC in the Bush push. It was. It, I wouldn't say he was an anomaly because it's not like Notre Dame doesn't churn out a lot of people like him, but like from that era, 
and to like I don't really remember him at Notre Dame, and I don't think I'm alone in that lack of memory um, when, when it comes to him. And to see him go on to have the career and life he has had is, was 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 fun. To, to, to read that story was fun because it was um, he was there at such a weird time, and we could play the what if game with every player at every sport ever. But to outline it the way it was crystallized in that story, like very specific, like make this tackle in this game and this tackle in this game, and voila, you're undefeated. Um, I mean, yeah, that, that, that can um, lead your mind wandering down a, a long road. You know, it's, I mean, it's one of those things now, uh, you know, it's roughly 20 years later, like turning down your fifth year to go pro, like, duh, like who wouldn't do that? But in 2004, especially at Notre Dame, that really wasn't like a thing. Um, Pretty much everyone came back that wanted to come back, uh, or that Notre Dame wanted to come back, I should say. So I, him leaving at the time, I mean, I was only a couple years covering Notre Dame, but like I remember that being a big deal. Like, would he come back? Would he not? Now we're sort of like, and I mentioned Usu Koromo, you're like, duh, like get out of here, um, go pro. Uh, with Tuck, it, re- it really didn't feel that way. It, f- it felt like it really was sort of on knife's edge. Like, will he come back? Will he not? And, you know, as Brady Quinn mentioned in the story, it's like there are a thousand things that could have gone differently. Um, that's that that game against USC or that season. But, um, you know, Tuck on the field would have changed everything. And but I thought the one of the I thought interesting parts of the story to me, at least, was like Harris, Ryan Harris talking about how like Tuck did impact the 2005 team um, by like kicking everybody's ass in practice for three years prior. So they sort of understood like, hey, this is what it takes. And I think a lot of those guys, even after Tuck went pro, when they watched, I think, I don't know if I include this in the story or not, but Corey Mays talked about watching um, Tuck chase down LaDainian Tomlinson in a, in a game. And the schedule on that was like early September. So that was pre-USC. And, that was a Sunday night game. I okay, remember, remember Lydia Thomas throwing a halfback touchdown okay. pass and Eli getting the, the warm welcome from the city he ditched. <laughs> um, but who remembers that? Yeah, story? who does? Just you. <laughs> and then it, But it was just like he was, one, he taught guys what it was like to work. But then, two, once he was in the pros, he was validation that, like, yeah, I can make it there, too, um, that I can have that kind of dream. So I thought that was, that was kind of an interesting sidebar to the whole thing. Yeah, good thing there was a transfer portal back in 2004 because that would have been like your prime number one free agent with a new coach coming in from a, a team to a team that wasn't all that good in his final year. But I mean, it was funny reading that story just because I remember that era so well. And I remember like when the Giants were struggling that year, it was like, let's bring back Charlie Weiss. He's the quarterback whisperer. He'll get the most out of Eli Manning. Notre Dame won't know what that, hit him. Uh, I think you, those whispers probably led to the 10-year contract that was signed not long <laughs> after the USC game. Well, I, what kind of contract does he get if Tuck plays that game and they win? Ooh, I don't know. Notre Dame would still be paying that That's off. another podcast, like, investigative miniseries, I think. <laughs> Definitely. Um, one, another thing on the athletic that popped up this morning uh, as we record this podcast. The results of the fan survey. I did it last summer or last spring, I should say. Uh, did it again this year. Some there, some sort of you can see some progress in some opinions of fans about where the program is, where it needs to go. Um, and I think overall, I, the, I had the same reaction reading the results this year, like in a global sense, that I did last year. That. At least among athletic subscribers, we have a pretty smart, savvy, rational group. And I want to say that I appreciate you because there are a lot of Notre Dame fans who are not that way. 
I think you could replace Notre Dame with college yeah, football. Exactly. Or, college or football fans in general, in general are so, a crazy group, but the Notre Dame fans who are subscribed to the Athletic are not. And I just want to know that you are appreciated and your rationality is noted. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The we'll get to the finer points of it. I'm curious from your perspective because these were the emails coming into your inbox, not mine. Last year, this was done in the middle of a devastating pandemic when we didn't know if we'd ever see when we would see football or each other or you know life as we knew it ever again. And it felt like that certainly played a role in the answers as far as just like this is a really unique thing, Notre Dame football. We can't wait to get it back. That they obviously play a season. You do the survey this year. It was a largely successful season, but you know did have its down points at the end. Did you get that same feeling reading fifteen hundred emails uh, and responses as far as just wow, this is really unique, or was it wow, like clearly there was a season last year and the good and the bad of what just happened is is on people's minds? Because again, if you do this survey after a loss or after a win, you're going to get an extreme reaction one way or the other to do it now in May is, is a little more rational. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Like, And I look back at the timing of last year's survey. It was actually in April. Um, so the answers in April may have been different than the answers in July. Like, Imagine doing the survey when it looked like the entire season was going down the tubes. Like In, in April, we were like, are they still going to Ireland? Um, you know, that, that was a different time within a different time. Um, I think there was... You know, among the answers, there was definitely appreciation that the season even existed. Um, so there, there was, I think, an acknowledgement that the fact that they played at all was something significant. Uh, I think, uh, other than that, I don't know. It's it's hard to say if things were rounded up just because they played, um, like as as if people were reluctant to criticize or critique because the. I guess the real success was just that the season existed. I thought that, I mean, this was really one of the, the, there were a bunch of interesting takeaways, but I mean, the first one was just the overall state of the program. Obviously it's in very, very good shape, but how much better shape it is today than it was at this time last year in terms of the number of people who voted excellent opposed to good. I mean, excellent, I think, doubled or tripled uh, in terms of its proportion of the vote. So people are people really came away overall thinking like much more of a focus on the 10 than the 2 from last year. I thought that that was another sort of takeaway from the whole thing. There were very few and I say this complimentary very few like prisoner of the moment overwhelming responses 
and I'm talking you know, more than 50% or leading the way in a multiple choice question. Um, I, I just think a lot of times when you see, if you conducted this as a Twitter poll where everyone's negative all the time, I think the answers might be a little bit different because people are scrolling down their feed in the spur of the moment and just using that as a vehicle to vent about whatever they're frustrated about in that given time. Um, there was one answer that I, I was pleasantly surprised by a lot of the answers because I agree with almost all of them. There was one answer where I thought, all right, this is one where um, I'm not sure we're, we're thinking this one through, and this is with all due respect to the set individual. But number six, if Brian Kelly decided to retire after the season, who should replace him? Number one was Marcus Freeman at 27.4%. Over his old boss, Luke Fickle, who came in third place at 21.5%. Marcus Freeman could end up being the best hire Brian Kelly made. He could not be. I don't know. Like we, It's been four months and he hasn't coached a game or um, even got on the road recruiting yet. That was a little much for me because I mean, as we said off air, like last year, Clark Lee was leading this. And now Clark Lee's a head coach in the SEC and he's fourth on this list. Like he's forgotten about. Um, Clark Lee goes 503 years of Vanderbilt. He's going to be the runaway winner, I think, on this list. Um, and I, I wouldn't put it past him to do that. But look, all due respect to Marcus Freeman, again, I, I don't particularly know him well personally, but like that one was like, okay, like that's like, I'm not ready to anoint him head coach and waiting just yet before he's coached. Again. I completely agree with that. Um, that, that was one that was like, what? I don't, I don't align with that love that thinking. Like I thought Clark Lee should still be like one or two, um, you know, Matt Campbell. He, I think he, he was sort of, Lower down the list last year. I think people have moved on from Urban Meyer, but I didn't make him a poll choice. You had to write him in, so maybe that helped. Um, he's co- he's working. Yeah, now, exactly. In case you forgot. <laughs> how about um, this one? I was curious how this this surprised me. I thought that the yes vote should have been higher, but I think you maybe disagree. Is winning a national championship realistic for Notre Dame in modern college football? Yes, eighty two percent. No, eighteen percent. I am personally of the belief, yes. I am pleasantly surprised, again, to see that 82% agree with me. Um, again, we're, you know, us in the media, we live in such an echo chamber, right? Like, we, we, we hear reader feedback. A lot of it after a, a win that's too close or a loss is overwhelmingly negative. Um, anytime, you know, we ask questions, I feel like it's, why can't we develop a quarterback? Why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? It's really like, why are we so good? Um, and, and for that reason, I think my judgment might have been clouded. And I would have thought, well, we can never win a national championship. We're not Alabama. We don't recruit like Clemson. Our academic standards are too high, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, to see 82% say realistic in the modern era, uh, I was pleasantly surprised by that. And I mean, look, I agree. It's, it's obviously not easy. There's basically two teams winning it every year for the most part. And you've got to break up that monopoly. But um I, I don't know. I, I was surprised. Eighty-two percent said yes. I thought a lot more. Oh, you thought it would uh, be lower. Least, but I thought. I thought it would be higher. Less, like I thought it would be like ninety percent. Uh, I thought a lot less fans would would think that, but I'm, I'm glad to see eighty-two percent like are still holding out that hope the same way I am because I, I I think it's absolutely realistic. Is it probable? I don't know, but uh, just just maybe just like man on the street, like word of mouth. I just never get the sense from any fan I talk to that they think they're going to win it all like they just how are we going to beat Alabama and then you see the draft where they've got you know eight first round picks across two years and it's like that's why we can't beat Alabama um but so I, I don't know I, I was surprised to see 82 percent 
What about um, breakout player? I think that, you know, Kevin Austin, obviously predictable there. Um, Tyree, predictable. Beyond that, I I guess I was a little I was a little surprised Isaiah Foskey was that high. Um, Jack Kaiser got a lot of votes. Um, Jordan Botello, I think, has a good chance to be it. And then, as I noted, I think if you could buy stock in Riley Mills based on the uh, breakout player award, I would I would invest quite a bit. I would personally put Riley Mills on that one based on everything I've heard. Um, I'm not surprised that Kevin Austin. And, and Brandon Lindsay, um, <clears throat> excuse me, were were on there as high as they were because I just I just think naturally when you look at this roster, at least what we believe this roster to be going into twenty twenty one, receivers is like that. That's the biggest question mark, and that's what you're hoping will be the uh, take the leaps that running back took last year and take that next step and help Notre Dame's offense have a chance to have a perfect regular season again this year. So I'm not surprised the receivers got the attention they did, but um, as an individual, I mean, Riley Mills is, is my personal yeah. vote. What about the uh, opponent you would most like Notre Dame to add if you're a fan? I was I was surprised, considering Michigan is actually on the schedule, I realize it's a decade away. But, I mean, Michigan was I, – I wouldn't say they were like the runaway winner, but – uh, Michigan and Oregon together were runaway winners. Oregon, I thought, was kind of a cool. I didn't think that was where Notre Dame fans' heads were at, um, but I, I like the idea because uh, Notre Dame. That's not a series that has been played, nor is it scheduled. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Notre Dame does a really good job of having a national schedule every year. They don't leave a whole lot, leave you wanting a whole lot as far as marquee opponents. When I think off the top of my head, Oregon's probably among the top of that list, at least in my lifetime, that they have not played. And if you can get it in a traditional home-and-home setting, that looks like one of the great underrated game day environments in all of college football. It just looks like such a unique outpost. It's it's uh, you know newer blood, not your traditional power, but a team that, especially in the last couple of years, has been kings of the Pac-12 and is going to be in that, that at least contention every year for, for a potential playoff bid. So... Um, yeah, I, I, out, out of all those there, I would probably say Oregon. I mean, everyone else, they're playing at some point or another. So um, I'm looking for something new, something that's not already on the schedule and that leaves you with breadcrumbs, essentially, but Oregon probably tops that list. I, I mean, this is near and, dear, near and dear to your heart, but Penn State was a surprise to me, too. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they, I guess it was a while ago that they played, um, but I was just I was surprised how distinct Penn State was as the number three. Um, there, there was just not, there was a pretty big gap between them and Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, that snowball game, I think is what really, like there's history there that there isn't history with anywhere on this list other than, uh, Michigan, Michigan state for, for, for the most part. I mean, they're, they're, that's just, um, you know, I remember being at a, uh, a banquet many years ago and seated next to Jerome Bettis and he couldn't stop talking about that Penn State game. Like that was, you know, his greatest moment from Notre Dame. I mean, I think there's history there. It's an old independent, so there's, you know, the the natural rivalry aspect there. But again, that's something that most Notre Dame fans have seen not to you know in their lifetimes. I mean, again, I I forgot about the 06, 07 series, even though the 07 series was my second game as a student, <laughs> um, as a college student at Beaver Stadium. It was a cool atmosphere. But 
I, I just, I mean, I, I, other than Oregon, I mean, who, who's left? I mean, when, when I look at that list. Auburn. I think that's why Auburn was so high. Yeah. Um, you know, and they've only played Florida once. Again, it's scheduled into the future. It's on schedule, um, yeah. I did. I appreciate, like, old, there were a lot of write-in votes for a road game at Ole Miss, but, like, people didn't care if it was a home-and-home. <laughs> home. Uh, Washington was pretty popular. I'm, I'm all for that. Uh, and then I did enjoy Boston College and Rome, which I believe was sort of at least under consideration at some point, at least on a, a dry erase board somewhere at Notre Dame. Clark Lee's new employer was going to happen in Rome, and something fell apart there. I'm not really sure what, but maybe maybe now that they're friends with the <laughs> leadership at Vanderbilt again, they can make that one happen, whether Clark Lee's coaching at Vanderbilt or at Notre Dame. And then uh, I guess also the um, the improvements for Notre Dame, I thought – the number of people who said nothing I thought was interesting. Very interesting. Um, like this is your <laughs> canvas to vents and create Notre Dame football in your own design, whatever that may be. And for you to say nothing, I mean, I don't know if there's a bigger compliment to what this group has accomplished and is in the middle of accomplishing than an answer like that one. Um, if you have a satisfied customer, you're doing something well with your product. I think we all know there are areas where it could get better, but but when you can't point to that specific area, when you're given that opportunity to do it, um, I think that might be as ringing of an endorsement for Brian Kelly as anything else. I mean, the, the question was definitely phrased as like within the context of Notre Dame. You know, I didn't I didn't want it to be a, a carte blanche for like. Uh, Drop academic standards or athletic dorms. Some people tried to write in with that, but um, you know there was definitely a vibe of like, I want Notre Dame to win as Notre Dame. I don't want Notre Dame to try to be something else and the, and then sort of reap the benefits of that. No, I mean that's that's college football. You've got 130 schools with 130 different constituencies, values, priorities. It's uneven it's wacky but that's what makes it fun um it's not the nfl and i like it a lot more than the nfl whether the style of play or the actual quality of play is better or not um their name i think maybe embodies that better than anyone else because of the unique makeup of the institution the fact that they're independent the fact that they have this incredible tradition and history um and the fact that they're a small school whose majority of their fan base didn't actually go there i mean there's just nowhere really like it As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
And then I think the the last thing that was interesting was just sort of like what a successful season would be for Notre Dame because I, I this this was sort of peak rational Notre Dame fan um, in the sense that you hear a lot about you know you have to win it's national championship or bust you know and I think you see a lot of schools uh, I think Georgia Ohio State certainly Clemson Alabama are in this group where like. Did you make the playoff? All right, it might be a successful season. Did you not make the playoff? What a, what an epic failure. Um, Notre, Notre, I've never felt like Notre Dame is in that boat yet. Um, and it seems like the fans, at least the ones that res- responded to the survey, don't either because 68.5% of people thought that winning 10 games, missing the playoff, but winning a New Year's Six Bowl, would be that would be a successful season. I think the winning the New Year's Six Bowl part is what really, like, I don't think that part of that answer can be ignored yes, because I that's agree. something that hasn't happened since 1993 or 94. 93 season. Uh, yep. I, 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 now, look, there were five options given there, and 68.5% going to that one absolutely shocked me. Um, just because I think as a fan, you're probably, at least in May, 100 days out, you're looking at things with a little bit more rose tinted glasses and, and more hope and more optimism. And Look, I think if we're looking at it like that, like from our seats, well, I was going to say they're going to be favored every game, but they're not, and we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> but they absolutely have a chance to win every single game on their schedule this year. It's not like there's a Clemson or Alabama there who you just are almost assuming right. is going to be a loss while looking at it this far out. Um, if you win every game, you're going to make the playoff. If you go 11-1, and you're going to have a chance to make the playoff. So I thought making the college football playoff, especially since they've been there two out of the last three years, and that's – as Brian Kelly would say, the standard now, mm-hmm. not like something we should just aspire to in a given year. Um, I would have guessed that that would have been uh, number one. Uh, so I'm, I'm surprised winning 10 games with the playoff winning New Year's Six Bowl received 68.5% of the vote. Like that, that's just an astronomical number of a five-choice, multiple-choice question for a fan base that's coming off a, a playoff. Yeah, part. two but out of three, I, I right? I don't think like- – I don't think the winning the New Year's Six Bowl part of that is insignificant either because, again, that's that can change the narrative, as crazy as that sounds. I mean, if you go to a big bowl game and knock off another almost playoff team, now if you're playing Coastal Carolina or Cincinnati again, maybe not. But Yeah, I mean, look at, look at the teams last year. I mean, Cincinnati lost a New Year's Six Bowl game, but I, I think the narrative was that they won. They were, they were you know, quote-unquote winners. Um, you know, not every team can can do that right like i'm not sure if georgia got a whole lot of mileage out of beating cincinnati um but cincinnati certainly got a lot of mileage out of losing that game um that so but i i do think if if notre dame went to the new year six and they played let's just fantasize about a notre dame iowa fiesta bowl like if notre dame won that game i don't think it would be like yes we beat iowa but still i think it would be a box check that hasn't been checked in a long time and people will feel good about it i think beating any power five team in a new Year's six game i think should be celebrated without like explanation or any kind of caveat absolutely um it's interesting you put iowa in there don't want to see wisconsin again i guess but (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean there there's there should be no apologies now again if it the cards align where they're playing the group of five representative and they're maybe the last team out of the playoff for argument's sake. Like there is a deflating feeling that comes with that. And there's a, if you're an NFL player, there's a, why should I play in this game conversation to have? And if you're a fan, there's a, what do we get out of this really other than 
potential embarrassment um, going into that game. Um, not to harp on another bowl from a couple of years ago, but like that was the feeling going into the Iowa State game, and you, you were not alone in that, where it's like, well, Notre Dame just kind of beat the teams they should beat, lost to the teams they should have lost to. They probably don't want to be here nearly as much as the crazy Iowa State fans do. They got a really good chance to lose, and obviously that they didn't kicked happen. the crap out of them. Um, every every situation, every bowl, every opponent is unique, especially in this era where like you just don't know what your roster is going to look like between the last game of the regular season and said bowl game. Yeah, no, there's no no doubt about that. I I guess that's, maybe that's a good segue into the win totals um, because. I was, I don't know about you, and I can't remember where it saw it, at 9.0 as an over-under win total for Notre Dame, which means if you bet it, if you bet the over, the only, you will not, you will either, you won't lose your money unless they win eight games, which is almost impossible for me to imagine. Like, that would, that would involve some kind of catastrophe, probably multiple catastrophes, I think, for Notre Dame to only get to eight wins this year. Yep, I agree completely. I mean, the the nine really surprised me. Like, if you're a gambling man or woman, like, put down your season ticket deposit right now <laughs> since yeah. you can, since it's going to be 100%. Bet, take some other money, put it on Notre Dame over nine, and that should pay for itself, um, which is another question you had about how much you would pay for a 50-yard line seat for USC. 34.2% said $200. Um, now, BetMGM, our lovely partner, has that over-under up to 10 and that I think is that's a little salty for me. Like you would, or it's. I mean, I think that's what it should be because it gives you pause either way. Like I think Notre Dame right now, gun to my head, I'll say he goes ten and two next year. Does that mean I'm going to bet them over ten? Probably not. Need you filled out my survey. Ten. That was the most likely. Am I going to bet them under ten? That was the most likely record. Yeah. So nine and a half. I would probably bet Notre Dame ten. I sit this one out. I think. Nine, I would run to the ATM. Oh, nine, I'll yes, nine. That I'll, was I'll, that was insane. Um, but yeah, that it just I have a very difficult time seeing Notre Dame not winning nine games. Um, ten, I I'm with you. I feel like ten and two kind of feels like the right record. And in the survey, fifty five percent of people said ten and two. Twenty two percent said oh, 228 percent said eleven and one. And sixteen point five percent said nine and three. Only three and a half percent said twelve and zero. So, it um, I don't know. Like the schedule, the way it breaks down, there's not a there's not an at Clemson. There's not an at Georgia on there. Um, you know, it's not that Notre Dame can't win those games, but you know that they're going to be decided underdogs. There's not there's not anything like that on this schedule. So it's um, I don't know. It, it feels like it's a, a ten and two kind of year. I think the fans feel that way. You and I cover the team. We feel that way. Uh, they, but Vegas, I don't know. There, there seems to be a little bit of a hesitancy from Vegas, at least initially, about how good Notre Dame is going to be this year. Well, I mean, some of the other teams that, like, this is the over-under nine win group that Notre Dame is in. Appalachian State, Arizona State, Boise State, Florida, Liberty, Oregon, Penn State, USC, Washington. The group of fives I'm going to eliminate here just because, like, if you're Appalachian State, I think that's probably appropriate without looking at their schedule, but knowing the way they've kind of run through the Sun Belt. But like Penn State, Washington, Arizona, Arizona State, got the same win total as, as Notre Dame. Like, what's Herm Edwards done there other than 
go marginally above 500 every year to really inspire that much faith. Like, I don't, they got a good quarterback in Jaden Daniels, but like, I'm not putting that program on the same plane as Notre Dame just yet. Uh, the, the game lines are what are always the real intrigue, especially this far out. And in keeping with the spirit of us face planting with the NFL draft over unders, um, couple episodes ago and I still owe you a Michelob Ultra for you getting one right to my zero um, I'm going to put a gun to your head right now and we're going to do every game is on BetMGM right now except for the Toledo and Navy game uh, so we'll just go right to it right now Pete minus 10 at Florida State uh, and I'm holding you to uh, Florida State <laughs> wow hater I'm going to her name uh, 12 and a half versus Purdue Purdue or no I'm sorry Notre Dame Plus three against Wisconsin. Uh, Notre Dame. That one gives me the most pause because I think that's a game they're most likely to lose. But I also see that. I'm like, well, I I think I would take the underdog in that game regardless of who it was because if you're getting points, that's interesting. I'll go Wisconsin for that one. And you're recording this, please, right? Like. I'm, okay, I'm you're making a note of this. So, yeah, we can discuss it at uh, in the college football playoff when we're both covering Notre Dame there. When I, I host the Samson family yeah. at my uh, mansion the night before, we got a couple tweets. I think I think your kids and my kids are just going to kick us all out, and we're yeah. going to have to get a hotel yeah. that night. They're going to take this place over. Uh, minus four versus Cincinnati. Uh, Notre Dame to cover that. Yeah, I got ND as well. Minus five and a half at Virginia Tech. Uh, I like Notre Dame to cover that. I think Virginia Tech is going to be like a disaster this year. That might be my favorite line out of all these. So I'm in the same boat as you. Minus three versus USC. Um, that's a tough one. I think I'm gonna. I'll, be, it's funny. Like, I, I, I saw that I one. Want, like, I want to pick just... USC to cover, but Notre Dame to win, which is like a really small window, right? Um, right. So I'll I'll go USC on that one. I'm going ND. I mean, they did, you know, they mean by three last time they played, right? Yeah. At ND. Yeah. And I do think if there was a fifth quarter, USC would have won that game. But there's not, Pete. There's not. Even versus North Carolina. Notre Dame. Oh, that surprised me. Yeah. yeah that one makes no sense to me. Carolina Hydrate is something else. Uh, there's a good one. Minus seven and a half at Virginia. Will Fuller and third string Deshaun Kaiser ain't walking through that door. But the crazy fan might be. I could see. I feel like that's a letdown spot. So I'll go Virginia to cover, but Notre Dame to win. Yeah, I'm going to do the same. Minus 14 and a half versus Georgia Tech. That half is really like... Uh, Notre Dame. I'm going Notre Dame, but that half gives me a little bit of pause. Yeah, uh, that's a fair point. Minus nine and a half at Stanford. Notre Dame. Uh, well, no, you know, I'm going to go... I only flip. I'm going to go Stanford to cover Notre Dame to win. Yeah, it's, end, it's a long season... Yeah, I'm, um, I'm going to do the same as you just, there. You just see it a little bit off. I so. mean, that's a game that's 28-14 with two minutes left, and Stanford gets a garbage touchdown. To I can see that happening. So where are we different? Uh, we are different. You have Florida State. I have Notre Dame. You have Notre Dame. I have Wisconsin. You have USC. I have Notre Dame. So three. No, not three. Those are two of the biggest in the opener. Okay. So, yeah, we'll... I, I can. One of us will take a commanding lead in this race for our next beer. Uh, you don't think they're going to run Florida? Now, last time they played on su- Sunday night, they were playing a Texas team that was rebuilding. Mm. I thought they were going to win by like 
30 and that didn't happen but i just look at that game i i'd see notre dame needing a full game to like work out the kinks new offensive line new quarterback new defensive coordinator i think the idea of notre dame coming out sharp um is overly optimistic i don't think that notre dame will be in any danger of losing the game i think florida state's not good but i could just see notre dame needing a game to get some things out of its system um, and that's that's why it would be artificially close. I feel like you're describing the Louisville opener from 2019 as far as just like holiday, charge crowd, team with some characters we're not quite sure of yet, and a, a home team that's just playing so far above its head based yeah. on the emotions of the moment. Well, certainly that was the first half of that game. Yeah. Um, you know, they ended was, up playing that. They were in it. 18, I think. But I, I just, Florida State's just not there yet. I can't trust them to do anything. I just can't. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I, I don't have a. <laughs> I don't have a rebuttal to that because they are pretty bad. Oh, well, you know they, they played maybe their best game of the season at Notre Dame last year. Yeah, that's true. Maybe, yeah, and I, I look. I, I think Jordan Travis, if he starts, that guy's a really good quarterback. Mackenzie Milton, if he's healthy and starts, he's I mean, a really that's, good quarterback. That's the wild. That's card. enough to give you trouble, Mackenzie Milton. I mean, the guy literally almost had his leg amputated i'm not like being over the top when i say that like that almost happened and he's like back and practicing and transferred to florida state like who no one has any clue what that guy is going to look like but if he looks anything like his former self that's a guy who was almost a heisman finalist during his best years at ucf so um we'll see what that looks like i i I think you said you think Notre Dame needs a game to get their legs under them i think they need a half with this one i think they ultimately pull away yeah, I mean that, that's probably the perfect Louisville comparison, right? Because that was they needed a half, and then they smoked them after that. Um, you know, I could I could see that happening as well. I'm just gonna, I don't know, Florida State. Do they have more raw material than Louisville? I guess I'm not. Sh- do they? I mean that they they had a top ten pick at offensive tackle, Tutu Atwell, uh, Javian Hawkins at running back. It, they were a mess at quarterback. They were a mess. Well, yeah, they started the wrong quarterback. Well, not wrong. Luke Cunningham was hurt that game. Injured, yeah. yeah, Juwan Pass was not their starter that year. But that was a team that went 2-10 and ten the year before and had a completely different coaching staff that I remember I was embedded with them that game when I you – know, they read my predictions, which was like 28-10, and it was kind of like, yeah, we'll take that. You know, like when they score touchdowns on their first two drives to get 14. I mean, uh, that was a very – roster-wise, I just don't think – I mean, they're in the same ballpark, but I think Florida State's just just better, better players. Okay. Well, that would be an interesting one. We have, I think, as you said, 100 days to talk about that game. <laughs> 100 <laughs> days for me to take my commanding Michelob lead that would tie us. <laughs> we will have uh, we'll have many podcasts between now and then uh, on here on The Athletic with the Shamrock. Uh, we'll have some a bunch of guests this summer. We'll be off next week. Uh, I'm on vacation. It's also Memorial Day. And then, Matt, I think you're out of town sometime in June as well. I'm out but, uh, right after you are. There's a little overlap there. We'll see how the world burns um, between then to force us to do a podcast because inevitably that's going to happen, which I'm not complaining about. But Yeah, I, it would be great to avoid an emergency podcast until we'll, we're both back from vacation. Um, so, Notre Dame, let's keep it together here for the next 14 days. But uh, until we return post double vacation for uh, Matt and myself. Thanks for being with us on the latest episode of the Shamrock. Again, you can check out uh, the fan survey. It's up on the athletic.com now um, on the Notre Dame tab. And then also check out that Justin Tuck story. 
as well. I think you'll find it pretty enlightening if you're, if one, if you li- you were a fan during the Tuck era, and if you weren't, uh, let me introduce you to like a really freaky, awesome Notre Dame football player that you probably should spend some more time thinking about um, as you would affect, maybe eliminate the Bush push game entirely. So you can check that all that out, theathletic.com slash the Shamrock for $3.99 a month. So until our next podcast, he's Matt. I'm Pete. Thanks for being with us. Ooh.